Hello everyone, and welcome again to the Jobs Podcast. My name is Barry Vickers, and thank you for downloading this episode. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about CVs. Rather than talk about the basics, I'm going to go through some of the things you can finesse around your CV. So I hope to make this engaging and interesting and useful. A couple of points before I jump into the topic. First of all, you should do some analysis of your job search campaign. If you're already getting interviews, perhaps there's nothing you need to do with your CV. Maybe it's just perfect the way it is. If, however, you're getting the wrong kinds of interviews or the interviews are not going the way you've expected them, maybe you've set the wrong tone with your CV and you should have a look at it from that point of view. In some industries as well, you may not need a CV or CVs may be very much secondary to things like personal networking. So the example I always use is the construction sector, where it's not uncommon for construction managers to bring their crews with them from site to site and to recommend and endorse people to other crew leaders and so on. Personal networking is an important part of any job search and it's something I'll close out on at the end of this episode. But just to bear that in mind, CV isn't necessarily the, the default starting point. So, okay, let's jump into it. Um, there's no particular right or wrong with a CV. There are some templates out there that you can download. For example, uh, Europass is one format um, that you can use. I'm not a particularly fan of the Europass format. It is good, I will say that. Um, but I find the date formats a little bit hard to, to read. I always think things like language self-assessment, which it has in there, are a little bit a little bit of a minefield. You can over or underestimate yourself and uh, it can cause problems. The format itself lends itself to a lot of white space and uh, you know, in terms of it doesn't really lend itself to uh, finessing around along, along some of the lines of the things I'm going to talk about later on. So what should your CV be? Well, the first question people always ask me is how many pages should it be? So there's the famous two page rule. Now, it's not a bad rule, but it's not a hard and fast rule. I suppose the thing about your CV is it should be relevant and it should be concise. If you need to say more than two pages, use the space. Make sure your CV isn't too dense and it's not too sparse either. Use fonts that are reasonably sized and not difficult to, to, to read. Um, use fonts and colors sparingly. Um, use the headings and bolds and underlines the same thing. Use them to maybe delineate between sections, but, but not much more than that. If you need to go beyond the two page, do, but bear in mind, you know, you need to justify using up that space. So if it goes into 20 pages, maybe think about trimming it back a, a little bit. If you are looking to manage space, some things that you can maybe take off your CV that aren't relevant are things like, if you've mentioned them, and a lot of people do, are things like religion, marital status, you can delete a photo, um, and things like that. Um, they're not necessary in, in, in uh, my view, and also they can sometimes make HR professionals skittish in terms of, for, so for the Irish market, there's an emphasis on the recruiter if uh, it comes to it, that they must prove that the person hasn't been discriminated against. So where a photograph is present or someone has specified their religion, the recruiter will have to justify that they did not shortlist that person on the basis of their skills, not on the basis of any other criteria. Um, do make sure your phone number is there and make sure that your email is there. When your phone number, make sure you include the full dialing code, including the country code and get rid of any superfluous zeros or any other digits that, you, that, that aren't needed when you're dialing the full international code. The reason I say this is even if the job is local, you may find that the, the agency or the, the company that you're applying to uses an offshore shared services center or similar where someone can be calling you internationally. If you put in the full country code, even when you're dialing locally, it should still work. So try it. That's the best thing to do. 
it's not necessarily to put in the front of the phone number that it is a phone number. I think people generally recognize that a, a string of numbers is a phone number. And same with an email, you know, a string of letters with an at symbol and a dot in the middle of it. People generally know it's an email by now. Do put in page numbers at the bottom of your CV. It's a pet hate of mine uh, when I print out a CV that has four or five pages and I have to print multiple copies and they don't collate, then I have to shuffle them together. Um, if you have a particular citizenship or dual citizenship, it's very important to, to mention that, especially if you have things like dual nationalities, because a lot of roles now travel internationally or have some aspect of that. So if you can shorten the visa process because you're already entitled to work or to travel to that country, it can be a, a real plus. If you hold any visas, for example, a Schengen visa, that means you can travel to a specific geographical area, then by all means mention that too. Um, at the top of the CV, I always recommend the personal objective. It's a great place to say why you are fit for this role. Um, if there's any pieces in the role that you may not have exactly the same experience, but you have similar where you can kind of put A and B together to make C, this is the place to say it. The example that I use for this is if they're looking for a, a, a driver that has experience driving on Irish roads, but you've driven a motorcycle on Irish roads, but you have a full driver's license, you can specify the other two things, hoping that the employer will put together those two things to tick that box, as it were. Avoid making unsubstantiated remarks. This is very important. Saying things like, I'm a great communicator, or I have strong organisational skills, are meaningless and can be viewed as space fillers or space wasters by a potential recruiter. So back up everything you say. So if you need to talk about communication skills, you can say I'm a great communicator, for example, because I've presented to audiences of a certain size, or I'm a great team leader because I've managed team sizes of this, or I've very good organizational skills because I've worked on very complex projects that had multicultural, multi-stakeholder um, aspects of them. The language of your CV should always be in the language that the, the, the role is, the spec is written in, that you're applying to, unless for some reason, maybe perhaps there's fluency of another language is mentioned in the spec, in which case it's okay to supply it in, in that. Although it would be wise to stick to the language that the, the, the specification that you've applied to is, is written in. Um, following on from your personal objective, the next thing I always say to people is to put in your education. Uh, the default is to put it in reverse date order, but you can think about putting it in undated and that makes you, that makes you, you can stack rank it then in relation to its relevance. So for example, if you have a non-vocational arts degree, but you've done a master's in engineering subsequent, uh, you know, it might be more relevant to, to put that top of the line. If your results are good, consider putting them in. But if you have third level, don't go back far as giving your second level education. and. Just give your high level results. So if you've got a first or a, a two one, you don't need to give subject by subject results. Things like GPAs as well. Not everyone is, is universally familiar with them. So, you know, stick to formats that people understand. Um, think everyone at this stage recognizes a, a percentage format. Following on from your education piece is the jobs piece. So the thing to remember about this, and this is the important thing, and I really like to hammer this point home with you, it's not just a chronological list of the things you've done. It is a marketing tool. It's your opportunity to sell your experience to an employer and to convince them why they should employ you. So the default is to do it role by role in reverse chronological order. Do avoid pasting in the job spec for the role that you applied for 
all that time ago in this space. If you've done that, it is the wrong thing. It's unlikely to get you what you're looking for. What you need to put in here is the achievements that you've done. If you have hard data like budgets that you've managed or team sizes or anything else or sales figures that you've achieved, then put that in there. Um, concentrate on the high touch. Concentrate on the difference that you've made on the role. So how have you been the active person in this role as opposed to being a passenger? Every role has an aspect of, you know, basic office administration or such as answering phones or meeting people or liaising with customers or some aspects of that. That's not high touch. The high touch is the transferable skills. What differentiates you from other candidates? Bear in mind as well, an employer is looking for transferable skills. So if you have used specific tools, if they're available generally in the market, by all means mention them by name. If they're not, if they're bespoke to the company that you've worked for, maybe mention them in a generic sense. So I have used an ERP tool or a CRM tool or a finance tool. I am a big fan personally of the executive summary. So if you haven't seen this before, what this is, is generally one line a piece above all your work experience that's dedicated to each of your jobs. So simply a line specifying the day to and from you work there, the company, the role and maybe any hard data such as again a budget or something that you've managed following on then it's normal to put in the company the role the dates followed by some bullet points and i will emphasize bullet points of the specific things that you did there another thing i see is people will put in maybe some text about their employer saying what they do in the market or a little bit of, about them this is a good idea keep it brief one line is usually uh, enough if your company is extremely well known so uh, you know a google or a microsoft or a facebook or an ericsson there's no need to do that because it's a global brand and bear in mind employers can do their own research if they're curious what you should say here though is perhaps a little bit about your department and how your department helps that company achieve its business goals to be careful with your dates in your work history, I will say as well. So, for example, in the financial services market in Ireland, and again, just as a, for an example, they usually do a crawl process where they'll go through and they need to see evidence of your employment um, over a certain period of time. And they have to account for uh, any gaps that are over two weeks or three weeks. And where you've made a mistake or an error or just been careless with your date on your CV, it can mean that you will have a problem later on down the line explaining that actually you, you put down wrong data in an industry where attention to detail is very key. There's no need to panic about this. Usually it's okay to give month, year, month, year. You don't have to give the specific dates. And there's no problem with having gaps in between where you're looking for visas or you're out of work or you're perhaps doing something like military service or you took a break. That's no problem. It's just you have to be able to account for your time. So be careful with your dates. And what I'll say to you as well is it's sometimes wise to specify if you have any things like security clearances. So as a, for example, I'm Garda cleared here in Ireland, which means that I, I, the, because I worked for the prison service in Ireland, I can uh, now work for various other organizations like the police force, the postal service, civil service and so on. And without having that, that check takes about three or four weeks sometimes to, to do. So if you've been through anything like that, that will accelerate your, your, your process, do mention these. It can not only shorten the recruitment time, making you more attractive to an employer, but also shows that you're a trustworthy person. The last thing that we sometimes see on CVs is interests. And, you know, it's a funny area and people wonder why it's there. For me, I think there's two reasons why it's there. First of all, at a very basic level, it provides a good icebreaker for when someone meets you for an interview. They can say, oh, hey, I see you read books. So what's the most, you know, most interesting book that you've read recently? 
Second of all, it's an opportunity for you to show that you're a more rounded person. So the things I always recommend people to look for in here are a personal achievement, team achievement, to look at mental achievement and physical achievement. So what I mean by that is something you've done with your brain, something you've done with your body, a scenario where you've worked as, a, as an individual achiever and an example where you've worked well with other people. So bear that in mind, you know, a football team for the, the team achievement, uh, you know, a chess player for the, the, the single and so on. Um, what I will say to you as well, stay clear of dangerous sports or anything like that, like base jumping. Employers may be reluctant to hire you if they think there's a possibility that you could be injured and out of work for long periods of, of time. It's sometimes I will see declarations of signatures that the above is correct. I'm unaware that this is a legal requirement in Ireland. Um, it may be so in other jurisdictions. So if you're applying internationally, it may do no harm to, uh, to, to, to do that. The other thing I'd say, going back to the interests piece, is that if you've done any volunteer work, either mention it in the interests or mention it here as well, particularly where it's relevant. I mean, the example I use is I volunteered in my local credit union as a director for a couple of years. And while I'm not too sure if it contributed to me getting a job in the financial sector, I'm, I'm sure it didn't do any harm. Um, lastly, the most important thing you can do when you finish all of that is to, to spell check, spell check, spell check, spell check. You'd be amazed at the amount of times I actually see the words attention to detail misspelled. Um, very important. It's only one button and it takes two seconds to do. It doesn't really require any personal skill. It's just another process to do before you send something. And it's unforgivable in one sense. There's not so much difficulty with grammar. That's okay because the grammar things aren't so powerful, I don't think. But certainly spell checking is, is, is unforgivable. Employers that I know take a, a very dim view of it. Um, so that's it. The one thing I'll say to you as well, rounding back to the, the personal networking piece, the best way anyone can receive your CV is where they've already heard about you and they're already aware of you from what I would call a flag carrier or a promoter or an endorser. If your CV can reach the potential employer following and after a conversation where someone has endorsed you, it's a far more powerful technique and will help you get the job. I'll talk a little bit about how to do this maybe in a later episode. But the thing here is to say to you is, you know, it has to be someone that you know and trust and someone that, you know, has seen the quality of your work or knows you well enough personally that they can stand behind you. I can't emphasize enough, though. Do not ask people you don't know to recommend you. This can backfire quite badly in a couple of ways. First of all, you can put the person in an uncomfortable situation and they may speak about you poorly to the decision maker so it'll have the actual opposite effect second of all it can undermine your own credibility if you've asked for an endorsement from someone who really can't speak for the quality of your work and this can damage not only that person's credibility and your credibility but also the credibility of any other references from people who have seen the quality of your work so you know use it sparingly and use it with people you know very well and use it with people who can endorse your work it's a very very powerful tool the other thing I haven't mentioned as well is consider on your CV putting up samples or links to a portfolio of your work. So documentation from a project, obviously make sure you're not putting confidential company information up online. But you know, there's no harm in putting up a good Gantt chart for a generic project that you've done. I did actually see one CPM who used a Gantt chart for the work experience section of her CV and I thought that was very clever. It was high risk though I think. so. I thought it was very good. Other people may have disliked it intensely. So what I'd say is use it on a limited basis. If you're going to do something wacky or different with your CV, engage the reaction. If it's getting you a lot of interviews, keep going. If you're getting no responses, then 
maybe go back to a more traditional format. So that's about it. The key takeaway from today's podcast is bear in mind, this is a marketing tool, your CV. Bear in mind, it's to get you in front of the employer. Bear in mind that it's all the employer is in some instances going to have to go on. As I've been recording this podcast, a lady called Elizabeth has been in touch with me and asking me coincidentally about this very same point. Elizabeth has been turned down for a couple of roles because she didn't mention on her CV specific skills that the employer was looking for. And she doesn't have that experience, but she does have it in other ways. So if she puts her CV the right way together, where she mentions the other skills that are around that particular skill the employer is looking for, I'm hoping she might get a, a result. And I wish you the very best of luck, Elizabeth. Okay, so that's it for this episode. I suppose upcoming topics I'm going to talk about maybe are, uh, I hope to have someone talking about green cards and visas for working in, in, in Ireland. And I hope to get someone else to speak about referees or I might talk about that myself. Um, I'm going to do a section on cover letters as well. It's a delicate art and, and there are some um, tips and tricks I can give you. And I also hope to do a section as well on social media because that's very much of the, the, the now as well. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I am looking for CPMs and I hope it hasn't been a very CPM centric uh, podcast, but I am looking for CPMs for uh, Ireland, for the European market as well. And I am looking for Africa. Uh, so, you know, if that's your skill, you know, feel free to apply online to, to, to the job links for those roles that are on, on my website, which is www.barry.ie. Um, bear in mind that the specific website for this podcast is jobcast.tumblr.com. It is in iTunes and it is on Learn Out Loud, but if you can't find it there, you can go straight to jobcast.tumblr.com and it has links to those formats. Do feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, especially if you're a, a CPM, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and do feel free if you've tips, tricks or comments, or if you've seen useful CV templates, do send them on to me. My email address is barry at barry.ie. And if you wouldn't mind, if you could put the, the word jobcast in the subject line, that I know that I know that it's about. But for now, thank you for listening and downloading this episode. I hope you found it useful and helpful and entertaining and engaging. Happy job hunting. Take care.